So I'm going to pray that uh, for the message today, and uh, let's uh, jump into that and for the prayer for uh, many other things. Heavenly Father, I just love you. <laughs> You're awesome. And God, uh, each one of these people have sacrificed some time to be here. They have made some choices to be here. And so, Father, could you bless them for that? Could you help them come away with insight or, or relationship or a moment of worship that, uh, that would bring them closer to you? God, use your word. Make it come alive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know all your uh, church backgrounds, but I know that some churches are uh, really major in not having fun. Okay, there's just something about, about you know, don't smile. Don't, you know, I, I know there's actually some people have come from a denomination where they have to all wear black and look like they sort of have this grimace on their face. And it's just like, wow, that is not good. It's almost like it's almost like if you have fun, that's bad. Uh, like, you know, if you're happy and you know it, repent. That, that's sort of their, their song, all right? So you shouldn't be happy. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's awesome. My, uh, my, my mentor from, uh, from afar, Howard Hendricks, said, some of these people look like they've been weaned on a dill, dill pickle all the time. You know, have you ever met, the, you know, the, the, the complainers, the negative people that just look like they woke up born on the wrong side of the bed, you know, just... Don't get near them, right? It's like, oh my goodness. And, and that, is not, that is not the mark of what uh, an alive Christian is. In fact, God gave us a huge capacity to be happy. He, and when you think about the endorphins, the dopamine, the serotonin, how did we get that? God made us with that. God made us with a capacity for joy. Isn't that wild to think about? That he made you. He didn't make this to be like an oatmeal life. Sorry if you like oatmeal. I, I don't. But this, it was meant to be enjoyed. In fact, there's joy in his presence. And here's an interesting verse in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. It goes like this, the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? A lot of people have different ideas. Are we trying to make society a better place? The kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. So it's not this stuff in the physical world. Here it is but living a life of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Once you enter the kingdom of God, that's his desire for you. A life of goodness, a life of peace, a life of pure joy. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound like, sign me up for the kingdom of God, because that is so what I want. So last week, we started our series, Who Stole My Joy? Because uh, I was uh, talking to some people, and they said, hey, you know what? We've, uh, you know, life is getting back to normal. I don't have online classes. I am, uh, you know, I've got my job. I have to go to the office now. But it feels like somebody stole my joy. I said, man, there's a lot in the Bible about joy. We should actually find out what the Scripture said. So last week, we, we discovered that there really isn't a difference in, in Greek words about, you know, between joy and happiness. They're, they're the same thing. And so th having just uh, this a happiness is not a bad thing. Ecclesiastes 3, 12 to 13 says, I concluded there's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And, and people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labors, for these are gifts from God. 
So it's not about, oh, you shouldn't enjoy movies, you shouldn't enjoy going and shopping. The deal is, if you depend on that, you go, oh, I am, I'm so depressed. I think I'm going to fill in the blank. I'm so depressed, I think I'm going to scroll. If you depend on that for your joy, then there starts to be a problem. Last week we talked, that, that seems really crystal clear with alcohol, right? So, you know, enjoy, enjoy the sip. But when you go, my life is falling apart, I think I need to go too. You go, okay, that's a problem. I think that's a problem for anything. When we go and enjoy God's goodness, that's great. But when we go to it for our peace, our joy, then something becomes a problem. So last, last week we said, can we just use that as a, uh, anything that we enjoy as sort of like a, a springboard to enjoy God's presence because joy is in his presence. Every sip of, of Starbucks refresher, and I just had one today, oh, so good. I uh, shared it with a, a bunch of people, almost like communion, but, you know, anyway. And uh, that, that sweet, that sweet Starbucky, you know, uh, a strawberry, oh, it was good. It was good. I was able to go, God, you're good. You're just good. Thank you. Thank you for taste buds. Thank you for strawberries. Thank you for these good things. And uh, use these things as a gift for God. Every bright sky. Man, we get to worship out here. This is a good thing. Thank you, God. You rock. This is amazing. And so that is week number one. This is week number two. And uh, I'd like us to be able to think about uh, just, I'm going to have a little intro to uh, week number two, with this weird idea that, that joyfulness is actually commanded by God. He's, you know how you have commands by God? Don't lie. Don't murder. Uh, those kind of things, right? Don't lie. Don't murder. Then he says, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I don't know any other Bible verse that, that repeats the command. Don't murder. No, really, really, don't murder. <laughs> you don't hear that in the Bible, right? But it's like, wow, is it that hard? Is it, is it too much of a good command for us to take seriously? Rejoice. No, I really mean it. Rejoice in the Lord. That's the difference. And do this always. Uh, I, I was listening to Francis Chan, and he was saying, you imagine if we confronted people over this? Like, you know, with other sin, you know, oh, you just lied. You probably shouldn't do that. You know, you know you're not joyful. Like, look at your face, okay? <laughs> like, you are, you are sour all the time. You're just sour all the time. I want to confront you. Rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> Could you imagine doing that? That would be a little weird. I know. But uh, as, as uh, Francis uh, was talking about it, he said there's some people in his church, his church, not my church, Okay, not here at all. <laughs> he says he wishes he could come up to some people and say, you suck the life out of me. <laughs> what are you mad about this week? <laughs> that kind of thing. No, rejoice, rejoice. You're supposed to rejoice. And so we're going to ask how, what do we do? What's our part in rejoicing in the Lord always? If, if, if joyfulness is a command, then we could do something about it. So, uh, again, this is a four-week series, so each week we try different things. This week is going to be harder, but I'm going to take three Bible verses. I'm going to time together, and they're going to come together as a, we're going to look for a principle. 
And I, I know as I read these things, you're going to go, oh, yeah, that sounds like too high, too hard. But at the end, I'm going to talk to you about how we can actually do this. Because here at Church in the Rock, we are intentionally practical about the things we do. So let's listen to these three Bible verses. See if you can pick up the principle in it. Number one, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, goes like this. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Just an aside. There's a race marked out for you. As a young person, that should be hopeful, especially if you're in that in-between time not knowing what I'm supposed to do. Well, guess what? God actually has a race marked out for you. He might be a good person to talk about this. You have a race marked out for you. So run with it with perseverance. In other words, there's some things that aren't going to line up fast enough, and it's going to bug you, and it's going to, oh, you know, why doesn't this happen soon enough? Well, let us run with perseverance from race marked out for us, fixing your eyes on Jesus. Why Jesus? Because he was the pioneer, the first one to live out this faith, and he was the perfecter of our, our faith. And then it gets how he did this. For the joy set before him, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. See the same word. We, we endure things in our race, because something's on the other side. So for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. I've, I've looked up a lot of what people think about that. What was the joy set before him? Some people, well, it was heaven, but no, he's, he, he grew up in heaven. <laughs> he's been eternally in heaven. What was the joy that was set before him? It was this said something to do with him being seated down at the right hand of God. You know what happens is when Jesus sits down at the right hand of God, it's like it's finished. All my work that I've been doing is finished. So his joy was about, listen, this work I've done is going to be finished. It's going to be done. If Jesus experienced real horrible pain worse than anybody else in this tent. So the joy wasn't in the pain itself. But Jesus focused on what was being produced at that moment. What was being produced at that moment was you and me and his family forever. I, I've had an experience with God once. I, I don't have many of these at all. I remember sitting in the back of a tent like this. And um, I was about to speak at, at this, this teen thing. And it's just, I was overwhelmed with God's love is, is weird. And then for some reason, I just saw faces of kids at that camp flash before my eyes. It sort of freaked me out a bit. And at the end of that, I just heard, I didn't hear, but I sensed God, they don't know how much I love them. Rip my heart out, right? Oh, my goodness. And right at that second, the rain just, like big fat drops of rain. And it's like, it's like the tears of God for a generation that doesn't know the passion of God for them. If that could have happened to me, I wonder if Jesus on the cross, as he was looking forward to the joy of you and me in heaven forever with him and the Father, the Spirit, well, that there was a passion of joy, that, that Jesus was focused on what was being produced at that moment as he was winning salvation for us. Let's go to another verse. I, I 
you got to see these things tied in. Here's another verse, Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 to 12. Matthew 5, 11 to 12, and goes like this. Blessed are people uh, when people insult you. Ah, oh, you. <laughs> okay, fill in the blank, right? <laughs> Blessed. You should be happy. You should be joyful when people insult you. Wow, okay. Like, <laughs> What planet are you on? And falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And like people lying about you. What's happy about that? What is joyful about that? And then here comes our, our, our word. Rejoice and be glad. And you go, ah, again, this is kind of weird, right? Rejoice and be glad about that. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, the focus wasn't on the insult. There's no happiness in insult. But there is this joy in what's being produced in this moment. Actually, you're going to be rewarded in heaven. Actually, you have something in common with these great prophets that have gone before. The focus wasn't on the event, but what was being produced in the moment. Let me give you one more. And I'm going to tie it home so you understand how this might look in the life. James chapter 1. You figured I would get to James chapter 1 uh, sometime in our talks on joy. Here we go. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And have you ever read that? Like the first time I read that, no. Why? <laughs> no. I, you know, great. I am going through trials. I don't get to be in that building. That other building has taken 13 years to build. Uh, why am I supposed, yeah, yeah, bring it on, God. This is, why, why am I supposed to be filled with joy over something like that? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because, oh, okay, they're going to tell me why. Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. There's something that's being produced in the middle of the horrible time. Let perseverance finish its work. Yeah, let it finish its work. If you focus on what's being produced at that moment, there's something that can happen in you. You're changing. God has done this work in me. Listen, there, there's something that I can be smiling about because God is making me complete. There's ripples in other people's lives for eternities. There's things I have no idea what's going on, but I trust God that he does. So here's the question. What has God set before you? How can we see? the unseen things, right? Let's try and bring this down to really how this can work in life. We have to ask God, help me see the unseen. When I was uh, going to university, I went to university in Chicago. I grew up in London, Ontario. So I would have about an eight or nine hour drive, all depend on the border. And I would just go back and forth. Uh, and uh, it was... <laughs> It was fun. I had this really cool little car, and I thought it was like the best car in the world. It was a Plymouth Arrow. They stopped making them a long time ago. Neat, full four-cylinder engine, and it had racing stripes on it. It was silver, my silver Arrow, you know, all four cylinders humming away. But it was my car, right? And it had no backseat, pretty much no backseat. But, you know, when you're in university, I packed all my, my friends in the backseat, 
and I would go over as many bumps as I could. And just like, <laughs> I remember this one bump not too far away from the university, man. And, uh, I, you know, we'd be coming back from something. And I'd get, the, you know, my car up faster and faster. And said, what's Dave doing? And the person in the front knew. And he'd click the seatbelt on and said, not the bump! And we'd get air off all four tires. It was amazing. And they would just be thrashing around in the back. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a real blessing from God. They saw their lives pass before them. And uh, maybe they would come to Jesus. I, uh, so one, one Christmas I was home, they gave me a, a rack of, of stuff that, you know, that you can tie to the, I asked for a rack cause I, you know, on the top of my, the roof of my car, cause I wanted to carry all my stuff up there. So I put all our luggage up there. I had one guy that uh, I was bringing back from Toronto and, uh, <laughs> so we put everything up there. I had no idea of physics when I was uh, like about 21. I had no idea of physics. And uh, so I didn't realize I was quite top-heavy because this is a really super light car. Anyway, so I made it from London to, through Detroit. I'm going along. I'm going down uh, around the edge of Lake Michigan where, where the, the winds, it's like a huge wind tunnel that just blows the uh, Chicago's the windy city. It's reason. It's just, and so I, I'm going, and it's, it's kind of cold. It's kind of November, and uh, not, you know, November. How much cold can there be? And I didn't realize it was like hovering right on the zero mark. And it was also raining. And so there's this thing called black ice that you really don't see, but it's there. So I'm going up this overpass, so I'm up high. And, and the wind just literally takes the, the car carrier like a sail. And one moment, I'm driving this way. Next moment, I'm going this way. I'm not steering anywhere. I'm going, oh! And then it just blows it hard. It hits the grass. And then it spins me up in the air. No kidding. I hit and I roll. The first time it hit on the roof, boom, everything went, just like went all over the place. And the glass went all over the place. And I remember my buddy next to me, because he's right down. He's asleep. He said, a country road. <laughs> no, it's not a country road. It rolled over. Boom! It hit a second time. All the sides were crushed. And, and, and right now, I'm, I'm huddled in because the roof is right down to the seats. It turned over again. And I'm thinking, am I going to fall on a highway? Am I going to be in the bottom of a ditch with this, this river coming through at the bat? But we hit the bottom and we just sort of rock back and forth a little bit. What I didn't tell you is before that, as I was driving up, I told my buddy, hey, you know what? I've learned this really cool new thing about God. He said, what, what, what? I just want to give everything to him. Okay, cool. You just, God, it's yours. No, no, specifically. I give specific things to God. Like what? I gave him this car. Wow, you just gave him the car? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's your car, God. So we are strapped in with our seatbelts hanging upside down. And uh, first thing he looks over at me and says, kind of sucks for Jesus' car, doesn't it? <laughs> we laugh. We laugh. We, we kicked the door open, rolled out, and it was just this mangled mass. And we just started laughing, going, well, Jesus, you're going to have to do something. Sorry about the car. <laughs> and... In a horrible moment, we understood that, I didn't think about it, but the focus has changed, right? God's involved. God, what do you have? 
what, what's your part in this? Whether you did it or not, that's secondary. thing is, what's your, how are you going to redeem this? And, and it was awesome. Man, CAA, we got free hotel and food. Yeah. We, we doubled up on the food, man. It was awesome. University students, eat as much as you can. Uh, my insurance paid. and got a new, another car. Not a new, another car. It was okay. We were alive. And you know what? I understood a little bit better about how tightly to hold on to something. And God did a work in my life that my life does not revolve around my car. It doesn't revolve around stuff. God did a work in me. You know what? It was funny. It was actually funny. Also at university, um, a bunch of, I was a freshman first year, and uh, the, the uh, uh, fourth-year students, I went to a Christian college called Wheaton College in Chicago. So some of the fourth, we need to pray. And, you know, I'm a young Christian. Yeah, I need to pray. We're going to pray in a revival. Yeah, we're going to pray in a revival. Awesome. So we prayed. We prayed. We had prayer times every single, every, uh, every week. I think we did it daily for a while. Anyway, and then one of the guys said, I read a book about fasting. Okay, oh, don't read a book about fasting. Anyway, so we're going to fast. Yeah, we're going to fast. And so I said, okay, I'm going to fast for, you know, however many days. And that's tough when you're on a meal plan and you can eat as much as you want. Oh, man, that's a sacrifice for Jesus right there. So I'm, I'm like drinking water and, and not eating and, and praying and praying. By the way, God did, God rocked 2,000 students because a bunch of young people prayed. Just putting that aside. Um, I forget what day I was on. Day 16, something like that. My, uh, my dorm room was on the, the sixth floor. And uh, I came into him and, and the elevator was broken. Thank you, God. I'm going to walk up six flights of stairs, and I have no energy. I literally sat on my butt, just sort of moved myself up the stairs because I had no energy. I opened up the door. I can't tell you the joy of smells, of donuts, when it hits you. Our RA found, got boxes of donuts for every, it's just the whole floor was filled with donuts. And that the sweet smelling grease was, was coming in and it just, it was awesome. And I just, my, my stomach did gymnastics like I never thought it could. And I'm going, oh, but and I think it's two more days of my fast. Oh, what do I do? Jesus, help. You know, as if this was the worst thing in the world, you know. Oh. So, so I go, no, I closed the door and I went down on my bum. Boom. Boom, boom, you know, all the way down the stairs. I can study somewhere else. And about halfway down, about halfway down, I got the idea. Hold on. That was a test. That was a, that was a full-on test. And so I know this is weird. I'm, I'm not like this kind of, like, I'm not weird like this. But you don't eat enough. You just turn weird, right? So I'm shouting and, yeah, no way, devil, you can't get me. I beat the test. Ha, 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 you know. If you heard me in the stairwell, you would have thought, oh, okay, yeah. Send him away. In the middle of something bad, God, what are you doing in this moment? What are you doing in this moment? I might, I might have got it wrong, right? I don't know if it was a test or not, but I took it as a test. And it turned it from something horrible 
into something joyful. What are you doing in this moment? I'm preparing for the sermon. By the way, if you ever give a talk, God always tries to teach you something personally about it. So that's why I never talk about trials very much. I don't want too many of them. But I'm, I, I'm coming up with this. So I'm, I'm at, at our church building up on Upper James. I, I go up for a prayer walk on a prayer path. Oh, my goodness, if you have not seen our prayer path, you need to go on our prayer path. Oh, it's a path in the forest. We own a forest. It's awesome. And, and, and we ha have this path, and that's just it's beautiful. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm going there, and, and I'm going there to pray. Come on. I'm a pastor. I'm praying, right? I go there, and I just I don't look down, and I roll my ankle. Bad. <laughs> I scream out in pain. Nobody heard me. The pastor falls in a forest. Anyway, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. And I'm going, ah! And finally, I'm just on my face in, in the grass. And this stuff is going in my head, right? Because I'm, I'm about to, you know, I'm getting ready for you, for you. And so I'm eating grass. And at that moment, I say, How can you be in this, God? <laughs> right? How can you be in this? I got this weird thought. When was the last time you were on your face praying to me? Ah, good point. Well, I stayed down there. If you saw me, it'd be a little weird. Dave's laid out, called the ambulance, but I, I was okay. And uh, yeah, I prayed for a lot of you. This weird thing about being a pastor, God brings faces and situations up in my, my heart and mind, I, I just pray for you because you're my people. So I prayed for a lot of the people. I, I prayed for prayer in our church. I prayed for that people would know you. It was good. I had a great time of prayer. And when I stood up, the pain was still here. In fact, it's still there. <laughs> Uh, joy is to be able to change your focus before any feeling comes. So there's this principle, I believe, that joy is really a focus before it's a feeling. And it's about seeing. Help me to see the unseen. I don't often end up with another uh, scripture, but I'm going to read one more scripture. I get our worship team. Come on up. There's, there's a place in the Bible, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 and, and following. And if you understand the book of Philippians, Jesus is in prison. He's chained between two guards. You know how awkward that would be? I have to go to the washroom. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, can I eat? Can you loosen up on that chain? I, I need to eat a bit. Okay. That would just be awkward. Would that be a place for complaining? Uh, if, if you were a negative complainer, would that be it? Yeah. I'm going to write, you know, could you imagine a negative complainer writing a letter to the churches? This is horrible. Get me out of here. You know what I'm going through, you know, you know, letters from Dave to the church. <laughs> but the thing is, he changed his focus and he saw the unseen. Let me read it. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me in prison has actually served to advance the gospel. <laughs> If he was chained to two guards, you know what that meant? 
the two guards were chained to him. <laughs> Could you imagine being chained to Paul? All right, this is my, my duty. Hey, have you heard about Jesus Christ and how he died and rose again for your sins? Let me talk to you more about it. Ah, I want to get away. No, you got three more hours with me. <laughs> and now you're done. All right, now you're up next. Could you imagine that? And this is what he says here. As a result, it's been cl clear through the whole palace guard. Why? Because he's winning the palace guard to Jesus that everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. In other words, he was put in a horrible situation and the horrible situation is horrible. I'm not trying to mitigate. I'm not trying to push that off. It's horrible. Jesus on the cross, that was horrible. It, we go through horrible things. I'm not trying to say, oh, it's okay. It's not okay. But in the midst of horrible things, God, what can you do here? How can you redeem this? Is there redeemable moments in this? And as you focus on that and ask God, and he shows you even small things, like when you're on the face eating grass, praying for people, all of a sudden, count it all joy. My good brothers and sisters, when you fall on your face and you roll your ankle, because guess what? God's doing something in that moment that's redeemable. And there can be some joy that comes from that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, <laughs> your word is alive and active. I just love it. God, it's one thing to know. It's another thing to do. I, I pray for my people, Lord, that you would, yeah, that you would give us the, the resolve, the energy to ask you to help us to see the unseen in the midst of difficult and horrible situations, God. We want to be able to count it all joy in the midst of pain. Whether the pain goes away or not, God, we, we want to see what you are doing. So, Lord, help us. And in our next four songs, as we worship you, come, fill this tent with your presence. Help us to experience your joy. Help us not just to sing songs. Help us to worship you. And if there are moments, God, that we need to give to you and ask you what you're doing in it, would you make that clear in Jesus' name? Amen.